On the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Well, hello and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am the moderator of Current Issues in the Constitution with Professor Wilson, who's with me on the line. Uh, well, welcome back, Woody. We had a little break for spring break, and those of you um, who are taking breaks at different times, uh, it's really crazy. Nobody seems to have the same spring break. Uh, yeah. But uh, it used to be right before Easter, right after Easter, and now, you know, because Easter is a Christian holiday, we have to have right. it all different times, I guess. I don't know. Um, but uh, we are have been discussing uh, Agenda 21, which is, you know, really surprising to me uh, that there has been um, so much that we're learning about that has not been in the media that we've we've seen. So it seems like Woody, and I don't know if this is just me or or what um, maybe we're finding, because I know you're you're not watching as many of the television broadcasts as maybe some of our listeners are, and you say you get a lot of your information on the computer. But what I find is that, you know, they they are doing um, news shows on, uh, you know, the downed airliner, which is horrendous, you know, it's a tragedy, or, um, you know, focused on certain things over and over and over again. You know, for long segments of their broadcast, I mean, not to say that we're not supposed to know that that airliner had not been found or that certain debris had been found, but it seems like they they focus so much on anything that is a tragedy versus anything that is, um, you know, more, you know, newsworthy like um, the president's trip and what he's saying over there, what what the, you know, what is being said back. I think there was a, a press conference over there today. We caught some of it. Um, and then also the other thing with the IRS uh, scandal, um, another thing with the Secret Service getting sent home <laughs> again. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. And, this is and not just, the first time with those guys. It happened down yeah, in one of the uh, South American co- uh, countries right. a year and a half or so ago. Right. But it just seems like, you know, that, that the news stories are, you know, focused around more of the um tragedy kind of things you know maybe they think that's what what people want to hear um you know i mean how do they decide what stories i wonder well it ha- it's give more a, time to it's actually uh two things uh, number one and and uh primary is they want to make a profit and they have uh have a, either an arm of their organization their corporation or they contract, and they have these groups of people, sort of like telemarketers, that 
make a thousand calls every day uh, to random numbers asking people uh, what their opinion of is of news coverage, what do you want to hear about, uh, what do you consider newsworthy right now, and so on. And as long as a story remains high in terms of that response, they'll carry it because that's profits. And if they can show um, an, an increase in their audience, then they automatically and they have contracts um, with various companies and groups that want to advertise um, you know, at commercial break and in, during NBC News or in the advertising section of the New York Times. And as long as they can show a, a strong audience on a particular topic, then they'll continue to run that story until, the, until they see in their statistical research that the public is losing interest, interest mm -hmm. in that topic. If they ever called me, um, I would tell them that uh, the story was over the first day it was announced for me. I haven't read or seen anything about the airplane crash since. It's just not airplanes crash all the time, and uh, I've seen it before. I'm not interested, but a lot of people obviously are. They're curious. It's a mystery. want to know what happened to that airplane and all of those kinds of things. And, um, of course, the media drums it up, too. You hear them mm -hmm. saying things like it was a terrorist or it was a guy that was uh, uh, psycho or the airplane. Um, one of them said is probably was kidnapped by terrorists and is probably sitting in a hangar at an air base in Pakistan. And, you know, they just keep feeding this stuff. They make it up, essentially, right. uh, so that people mm -hmm. will maintain their interests. They maintain their profits. And, and again, they have this sliding contract with people that advertise with their medium, and that is if um, the interest remains high, they can shift up the amount of money they're charging for 30 seconds. Let's say you're paying $300,000 for a 30-second advertising, and that number is not unrealistic. And mm -hmm. if interest goes up, they can slide that up to 350 or 375000 so that is the first thing. And the other thing is this, the mainstream media, meaning just about everybody but Fox News in terms of broadcast media, is basically supports the liberal socialist agenda. So any story that would in any way compromise their efforts or the efforts of President Obama or the Democratic Party or the environmental movement, they will bury that. Uh, they simply will not cover it. So there wow. are two reasons uh, why you don't see this stuff in the mainstream media. And I haven't figured out yet. I, did, I have seen two videos on Agenda 21 on Fox News. And I don't know why there are not more. I also don't know why not one of the five congressmen from West Virginia, my state, have ever made a comment on Agenda 21. So who's supporting this thing and who is not opposing it has become an item of great interest to me because it is very real. And, um, you know, the fact that it's not out there in the national discussion uh, kind of indicates to me that, um, you know, this thing is working. You know, below the media radar, uh, skirting Congress and the uh, executive branch, 
going right around into the local communities. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have made inroads into my town, my city. And um, certainly uh, my committee will be investigating that as, as we go down the road. So we're not going to sit still for this. Mm -hmm. All right, Woody. Well, I'm going to let you uh, delve into it a little bit more. And as I get questions, I will um, break in and ask those if they come in. So we're going to encourage our listening audience to ask some questions. And then those of you that listen in the archives, um, we know you're out there, and you're welcome to send me uh, your questions. Just put um, current issues in the reference, and it's felice at mediaangels.com, and I'd be glad to take those questions um, and ask Woody um, in our next broadcast. All right, Woody, thank you. Okay, thank you, Felice, and hello, everyone. It was two weeks ago, our last time, when we introduced the topic of Agenda 21, I think we got about a third of the way through it, and we'll probably get a third of the way today, and hopefully next week the last one-third. Uh, a whole lot of um, attached issues to the uh, here in America to the idea of Agenda 21. I think there is very little doubt. In fact, in my mind, there is no doubt, but for the purposes of science, there is very little doubt that the Obama administration and all of the thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who support and work with him are in total support of Agenda 21. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But first, keep in, let, let's review um, uh, some of the main points from two weeks ago. And please keep in mind that the United Nations is something that the United States led the creation of during World War II. I told you about Roosevelt meeting with Churchill and laying out the plans for the United Nations, modifying Woodrow Wilson's 1919 League of Nations uh, to make it acceptable to the American people and to the British people, and of course they did that. And remember that today, um, well, in, in New York City, the Rockefeller Foundation donated the land, the United States built the building, it's still there, same building, right in New York City. Remember that we created that. And remember that the United States is very much a part of it. What is the United Nations? It's not like um, uh, something up on Mars. It's right here on Earth, and it is composed of all the countries in the world. And the United States is one of them. So whatever the United Nations creates in the way of policy such as Agenda 21, the International Monetary Fund, the International Labor Organization, several others, are created by the membership of the United Nations, and that includes the United States. So, Agenda 21, we, no, not we, Americans helped to create that. Why? Why do they support it? Because they stand to gain something from it and it is an expansion of power. Now let's take a look at the difference between liberals. Um, first of all, you're thinking of, of why Americans supported the UN Agenda 21 program. Liberals say that the United Nations promotes peace and human rights. Well, they talk it, but that's about all. And the United States has a moral and legal obligation to support the United Nations, no matter what they do. 
they say that the United States should now this this one is the one and this just really hits you right in the nose. The United States should not behave as a sovereign nation, but as just one member of a world community, 196 countries. So American sovereignty, which we have promoted, developed, and enjoyed since the days of George Washington. Liberals think we should turn our backs on the flag, turn our backs on the Constitution, and become a compliant member of a world body. They go on to say that the United States should submit its national interests to the greater good of the global community, as, of course, defined by the United Nations. So in terms of our trade relationships, for example, uh, we would submit to United Nations control. The United Nations would dictate who we could trade with and how much of a resource we could uh, commandeer because it has to be shared with the global community. So the interest, the national interest, the resource interest, the economic interest, the security interest of the United States is no longer, those things are no longer under control of the United States. We submit them to the United Nations. Okay? Liberals also say that the United States should defer to the United Nations in military and peacekeeping matters. Now, this is the thing that uh, killed the League of Nations where Americans were concerned. In 1919, uh, there was no way for the United States to say no in the League of Nations Charter to the use of our forces, military forces, in operations that the League of Nations deemed important. So this is the primary reason that the Senate in those days defeated that treaty, and we did not join, to protect American sovereignty, exactly what liberals want to give up to the United Nations here today. Liberals go on to say that the United States Charter gives the United Nations Security Council the power and responsibility to take collective action to maintain international peace and security, and United States troops should submit to United Nations command. All right, so all of that is a statement of the abrogation of American national sovereignty. And that basically is goodbye to the Constitution and all of the rights and civil liberties that, that Americans have enjoyed since 17. 89. That would be saying goodbye. All right, so these are the people that are in the United Nations. Some of them work there full time in the various bureaucracies, and some of them are appointed by presidents to represent his agenda or what he says is America's agenda uh, to the United Nations. All right, conservatives take a very different view. Conservatives say that the United Nations has repeatedly failed in its essential mission to promote world peace and human rights. They just have not, they'd have not gotten the job done. I can't think of any time, any place, except for the Serbia thing. And that was largely because of American leadership, that the United Nations has been successful in promoting peace and human rights. If you take a look at the world today, beginning about three years ago, uh, with that springtime eruption in North Africa that spread into the Middle East, 
still going on in Syria. Iran's still building a nuclear weapon. Now it's in the Ukraine and Crimea. Uh, the world is becoming very unstable again for two reasons. Number one, the United Nations does not have the ability to promote world peace and human rights. They just don't have the ability to do that. Number two, under the Obama administration, the United States has backed off from its leadership role. We are cutting our military, draconian cuts. We're going back, the Army is going to go back to the size of 1940 before Pearl Harbor. So as people like um, Assad in Syria and Putin in Russia, and you can believe United uh, China has recently made statements about retaking islands that have been under the control of Japan for many decades. These people recognize Obama's withdrawal from leadership and responsibility where world peace is concerned, and they're taking advantage. So in a sense, while it sounds good, let's join with the international community, Obama keeps saying, to solve these kinds of problems. While it sounds good, it just doesn't work. There is no force out there to stop people like Assad and Putin and all of the other power-hungry individuals in many parts of the world from pursuing their agenda. There's nothing to stop them. Conservatives go on to say that wars, genocide, and human rights abuses taking place all the time in many human rights council member states prove this point, and I think I just went over some of that. History shows that the United States, not the United Nations, is the global force for spreading freedom, prosperity, tolerance, and peace, and boy, have we done a good job uh, in the 20th century. Uh, to spread democracy, to spread freedom, to spread economic technology and prosperity, tolerance, peace, all of those things. We have done that. The United Nations has not done that. We have done that. And now we are backing off. The United States conservatives say should never subvert its national interest, its national sovereignty to, to the United Nations. The United, the United States should never place troops under U.N. control. Those are American boys and, and girls, men and women, and they serve America. They do not serve the United Nations. The United States military should always wear the U.S. military uniform, not that of U.N. peacekeepers. And there are a lot of people on the conservative side of things, and I'm one of them, that would be quite pleased if the United States would withdraw from the United Nations. I would like to see us start a new United Nations. We'll call it the United Nations of Dem uh, Free Country, free, uh, free Peoples everywhere. And I think that that would have a very powerful effect. Difficult to say, but what would happen if the United States withdraw from the United Nations? I would say the United Nations would probably collapse. Without us and without our money and our resources, I'm not sure what they could accomplish. Last time we talked about um, key events in history that have led to this, what we now see as Agenda 21. But before we go back to that, 
Uh, let me just review basically. We talked about words to look for. These are keywords or hot button words. If you see them, uh, you're probably 90% sure that you are looking at Agenda 21. Sustainable development, and they use nice sounding words. Sustainable, I mean, everybody wants sustainable. I want my the heating system in my house to be sustainable because I don't want to freeze to death for three days while it's being repaired. Sustainable is a good word. We want our automobiles to be sustainable. Stable, it's a kind of, it kind of goes along with the word stable. So sustainable development. And of course, that's defined by Agenda 21. So, social justice, which means primarily transfer of wealth from the haves to the have-nots. Smart growth is another one. Who doesn't want smart growth? Well, the smart growth in Agenda 21 is the Agenda, agenda 21 agenda. Smart growth in Agenda 21 is defined by the United Nations. It's not what you think it might be. Climate change, uh, anytime you see climate change or global warming, uh, you're probably looking at Agenda 21 because that's where it was created. And another one is resilient communities. Everybody wants resilient communities, you know, stable, strong, problem-solving abilities, and so on. Sustainable, resilient, not much difference between those two words. So if you see any of these five terms, uh, you're in Agenda 21 territory. Major goals uh, that we talked about, uh, number one, promote global warming theory. If they can get everybody to believe that, then you know, people will turn to the government. Like when there's a, a crisis um, in America, we turn to the federal government to deal with that crisis, whether it's the Great Depression or a, a killer hurricane, we expect the government, the federal government, to come in and solve the problem. All right, so when the world believes, when 60% of the people in the world believe that the globe's warming and we're all going to uh, suffer cataclysmic climate change, well, they'll turn to the government. And because it's a global thing, that government could be the United Nations. Another major goal is transfer wealth from developed nations led by the United States to third world nations. Remember that two-thirds of the seats in the United Nations are occupied by third world undeveloped nations, and they want money. Agenda 21 would give it to them. Another major goal is control education and child care. And, again, don't take my word for this. It sounds Orwellian, 1984, but um, if you read the text, and all you have to do is type in Agenda 21 text, it should come right up for you, 300 pages. Uh, but you can scan it and look at different sections. I think you go into Section 4 uh, to read their material on education and child care. It is there. They want to eliminate private property. Uh, they say that private property is uh, basically unfair. It does not comport with their idea of social justice. Private property is wealth. Land is wealth. It needs to be eliminated. And all wealth should be shared in the community. And that all land should be controlled by the United Nations. So eliminate private property. Eliminate CO2 emissions, energy, automobiles, power plants. You know, 40% of our energy comes from coal-fired 
power plants, eliminate CO2 emissions. So we talked about cap and trade. We talked about what Obama said about coal-fired uh, electrical plants and electric companies that do that going bankrupt. Uh, we've talked about uh, pollution permits, emissions permits. We've talked about heavy fines, high taxes, basically to kill any industry that uses coal, petroleum, natural gas. That's a part of Agenda 21. Sustainable energy, that's uh, windmills. <laughs> and if you read about windmills, uh, it's not good. Uh, solar power, uh, possibly down the road tidal power, and those kinds of things to replace fossil fuels. So they want sustainable energy, sustainable, sustainable populations, and sustainable wildlife. And they'll completely reconfigure land use to accomplish those things. Replace freedom and individualism with commutarianism, which is uh, basically another word for socialist or communist. Their strategy is an end run. They're not going to make the mistake that uh, Wilson made back in 1919. They're not going to submit this to the Senate as a treaty. They're going to call it soft law. They're going to say that it's voluntary. Nobody has to sign on to this that doesn't want to, and they're right. Um, you don't have to, even though more than 600 American towns and cities already have and 179 countries in the world already have. They probably think that they have an essential tidal wave that will eventually draw in the recalcitrants like the United States, like Russia, like China, and other countries that have not signed on. So their strategy is to go around the Senate, around the federal government, and go into the local towns and cities with offers of money and improvements and expansions of local power and those kinds of things. And ICLEI, that we talked about, I-C-L-E-I, is the group that does it. Now, you've probably, I hope you went to that website. Um, ICLEI um, is, is essentially the, the soldier unit of Agenda 21. These are the people, committees of people, that go out and basically attempt to persuade local governments to cooperate with them to implement the plan, and they are having some success. Although 600, a little more than 600 American towns and cities is a very small percentage of the 35,000 towns and cities in America. So they have made inroads, yes, um, but um, not so significant that they can't be stopped. And what we need to see, and I'm wondering why none of my congressmen have talked about it, what we need to see is congressional action, and we need to see Americans at the polls choosing people that oppose Agenda 21. Uh, very simple. So uh, reading from, I think I read from that last time, and uh, probably we don't want to go back to that. Maybe I should very briefly. Um, on their website, you see this nice sign, Welcome State, Local, and Tribal Leaders Task Force on Climate Preparedness and Resilience. There are those key words. So uh, they int introduce themselves by saying this, preparing for an era of more extreme weather and climate change starts at the local level. All right, so this is making an appeal to towns and cities. 
to join in and fight with them against climate change and the people that are making it happen, CO2 emitters, essentially, to stop it. Now, let me, let me say right here, it's very, very clear to me. When I first heard of climate change and global warming, I was very interested. <coughs> I looked at their material, and I believe there was probably a pretty good chance that they were right. Later on, I started looking at material that says they're wrong, and there's, it is perfectly clear to me personally but the, again, then again, that's just me talking, that climate change is a hoax. It, it is part of an Agenda 21 program designed to expand power. It's basically the tip of the spear. Let me go on with this. That's why their website says, ICLEI and its partners are pleased to announce the newest component of the Resilient Communities for America campaign. The President's, meaning Obama, Task Force Policy Initiative. So it's very clear that Obama and the Obama administration are, are cooperating both with Agenda 21 and with ICLEI. So let's go back to our discussion of, a, of what, two weeks ago? We talked about in 1974, it begins with the declaration with the title, the ominous title, New International Economic Order. It basically means government control of the economy. Governments will control the economy. Gone is the free market. Gone is entrepreneurship. Gone is free enterprise. And those are the th things, uh, as much as anything else, that made America a great nation and provide to us a wonderful standard of living and quality of life. In 1976, two years later, we get the Conference on Human Settlements, which states very simply and very plainly and openly that land cannot be controlled by the individual. Land represents wealth, and it is a social injustice for it to be owned by the individual. All right, so these are steps towards Agenda 21. In 1987, a UN report from the World Commission on Environment and Development says essentially established the concept of sustainable development. This commission basically began the process of how to take control of the world's land and economies and to re redistribute the wealth. Three things. Take control of the world's land, the world's economies, and redistribute the wealth. All right, that's uh, 1987. In 1990, ICLEI was created, ICLEI, the International Council for, let's see, Local Environmental Initiatives. And now people call it Local Governments for Sustainable Development. Same thing, ICLEI. I think they throw out a lot of different terms that different media uh, groups use or different ICLEI groups used to try to keep people confused, but it's ICLEI, and that's what we're talking about. So it founded a World Congress for Local Governments and a Sustainable Future at the United Nations in New York, 1990. Now, 1992, this is where they really kick it off. They've got the support, and, of course, you know, they don't just meet someplace and do this. There are months and months and years of communication back and forth 
from United Nations offices to uh, state departments and, and foreign services and so on in all of the countries throughout the world. And when they know that they are going to have success, they call the Big World Conference. It was at Rio, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and it's known as the Rio Earth Conference. And here they unveiled the agenda for the 21st century, which we call Agenda 21, that you can read on the Internet, 300 pages. And this is essentially the how-to manual for implementing all of the things that we've been talking about, those major goals that we talked about. This document basically has the program for implementation. It began, folks, in 1992. And if my math is any good, that's 22 years ago. For 22 years, they have been implementing sustainable development, social justice, Agenda 21, all of the other things. And they also added a third area to Agenda 21. That's basically environmental protections and restoration. We're seeing a lot of that in America, especially with the coming of the Obama administration. And they also added economic equity, that sharing the wealth, um, equal. Now, why would people in uh, America have so much money and so much such a great standard of living while the people in third world countries are having difficulty finding food to eat and dwelling in poverty? That's the point. Social equity, all people, same. So all of these things um, are wedded into Agenda 21 and uh, implemented at that time. So going forward from there, you can now blame human beings for all environmental degradation, okay? Since, since the environment, and really to many of these folks, trees and animals and little worms and tiny fishes, fishes are more important than human beings. So here we're blaming human beings for what we've done to the environment and what we have done to species. At the same time, the United Nations Conference ratified three other treaties, one on uh, climate change and uh, the Rio Declaration itself and a convention on forest principles. So they're just really packing all of this stuff in. It's like we said before, Agenda 21, their aim is to give United Nations complete control over everything on the globe, everything, every rock, insect, tree, water, human beings, complete control to the United Nations, world government. One of you asked a question about 1984, I think three weeks ago. Uh, 1984 is a book that all of you should read. Uh, George Orwell, 1949, a prescient uh, gentleman. He also wrote Animal Farm, uh, which is a, considered a classic. Many school students read it. But 1984 was published in 1949, and he was predicting that by 1984, he didn't say exactly where. He wasn't saying global. I don't know if he meant in the Soviet Union um, or whether he meant in Great Britain, but he was saying that there would be a government, he refers to it as Big Brother, which has absolute control over everything. And if you read 
Orwell's 1984, you will read about many things that we are seeing in play right now, very much so. Um, and again, this is a this is a hideous thing, and to me, you know, just being a sensible guy that uh, loves people and has children and grandchildren sitting here in a place called West Virginia, to me it just seems unreal sometimes that this is happening in my lifetime on my planet. What they intend to do to us is just unreal, but it's true. Moving along, I have a tendency to, to ramble a little too much. That's why it takes so long. In 1993, President Bill Clinton issued Executive Order 12.852. This created the President's Council. That sounds okay, right? The President's Council on Sustainable Development. So, yes, Bill Clinton is cooperating with the United Nations and Agenda 21. And this executive order allowed Agenda 21 goals to be implemented into all federal agencies. Okay, he's not just cooperating. He is facilitating. He is implementing. So Agenda 21 goals become a part of the guidelines, policy guidelines, of every single one of the 1,300 federal agencies that you and I pay for through our taxes. In 1993 also, President Clinton created the Office of Environmental Policy to be sure that environmental concerns are appropriately incorporated into administration policies throughout the executive branch, once again, all 1,300 federal agencies. So here's President Clinton playing ball and uh, implementing in the United States without going to the Senate for treaty approval. He is basically implementing United Nations programs. In 1996, Bill Clinton, still in office, the President's Council of Sustainable Development, which he created in 1993, submitted Sustainable America, a New Consensus for Prosperity, Opportunity, and a Healthy Environment. All right, big long name. And its objective was simply to create consensus among many groups across America, mostly liberal socialists, that were attempting to take over the world's economy using Agenda 21. There are several million people in America that support this thing. 1997, we still have Bill Clinton. The federal government, by 1997, now owns 33% of all land in the United States, while state and local governments own another 10%, so 43% of all the land in the United States. Back 100 years ago, or 150 years ago, the federal government owned zero land, except the District of Columbia. Now they have 43%. Governments do expand power. That's what they do. I remind you of that Jefferson quote. In 1997, at the United States Conference of Mayors, the Joint 
Center, this is a U.S. conference of mayors from towns and cities, mostly the big cities. They establish a group called the Joint Center for Sustainable Development, and that organization is still in effect. In 2001, George Bush's president, the National's Governors Association, endorses smart growth. Makes you wonder if they even knew what they were endorsing. Smart growth is an arm of 2000, Agenda 21. In 2002, at the Johannesburg Summit, Colin Powell says the United States is on board with Agenda 21. Skip George Bush. Uh, he did not support Agenda 21 and did nothing to support it. Republican presidents have a tendency to value the Constitution and the sovereignty of the American people. Now, in 2011, President Obama signs an executive order, 13575, creating the White House Rural Council. This executive order requires every federal agency in the United States, he's kind of following up on Clinton, to oversee all the food, fiber, and energy needs for all the rural, sustainable communities across the United States, affecting 16% of the people who live within the United States. So continuing the reach of Agenda 21. A year later, President Obama signed Executive Order 13602. Now, this one gives the Department of Housing and Urban Development. You may have heard of it as HUD. Uh, these are the folks that build houses for the poor. Gives them, and please keep in mind uh, that one of the, and this one is completely Orwellian, one of the final goals of Agenda 21 is that you destroy the suburbs you move most of the people, if they're not into farming uh, and farming of a significant nature that will help feed the population. So if you live in the suburbs or outside of the town or city and you're not a big-time uh, big farmer, you would be moved into cities, into high-rise apartment buildings that um, would place you close to the place where you work. You wouldn't need an automobile. Uh, you could use mass transit if you needed it, but mostly you're going to be able to walk to the place where they assign you to. I'm not kidding you. This uh, sounds like an Orwell, George Orwell's novel. It really does, but but it is uh, it is for real. So, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, has building been building these. They call them the projects for many years since the 1960s. So it's a natural place to put that power. So. HUD will have the power to create regulations to enforce local and regional planning. Local and regional planning. Um, and what that will entail is moving people about, building these buildings. Some towns and cities are already building these buildings. HUD is there, building these high-rises. Uh, you may have heard of FEMA camps. People are beginning to wonder if Agenda 21 is part of the reason that those camps were built. Land use planning. So federal government um, feels that it's beneficial to the fiscal responsibility of the United States. That's all they've got to say. Then HUD can enforce any regulation that they want on local and regional planning, anything at all. 
Okay, so Woody, I want to break Karen. in. Yeah, I'm going to break in really quick, and we're going to take a quick commercial, and then I've got a, a couple of questions, one a little bit off topic, but one uh, that is related to Agenda 21. All right, okay. so just hold on with me. The American Government and Elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class recorded with a live audience taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson. This class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link. Or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Welcome back. This is Current Issues in the Constitution, and my name is Felice Gerwitz, and I'm moderator of this session with Professor Wilson. And, um, you know, Woody, I want to say that the kids uh, taking that government class and even the American history class has given them such a good uh, foundation for what we're doing right now. It's not uh, like a lot of this is new information, especially when you present things in light of the Constitution. They're at least... Uh, familiar with looking through that document and um, having it handy when you ask them to to uh, you know pull something up. But yeah. one of the things um, that I'm finding, and this is a personal question, um, when I I talk to the children about some current uh, things like the Agenda 21. I feel that um, there's a little bit of a defeatist attitude with this, you know, well, what can we do about it? You know, it's good to know about it, but now what can we do? So from a kid's perspective, um, what is it that they can do to be proactive and not only, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, as part of their assignment or credit, um, keeping up with what's going on in, in uh, you know, the media and, you know, news sources. But what can they do, um, you know, the, and, and I guess part of the problem is they feel badly about it. And so it's it's difficult um, to think about. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Um, um Defeatism, um, you mentioned that word. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's the word you wanted to use. It's been my experience that Americans never get into a defeatist attitude about anything. Um, We we fix things. We solve problems. And America has had some great problems in the past. I mean, uh, think of the Civil War, the Great Depression. Think of two world wars. And we have... have, uh, risen up and we have dealt with them and we come out of it uh, problem solved and we'll solve this one too i have some information here in a few minutes i think that will encourage you but what can you do essentially get active make agenda 21 make 
the sovereignty of the American people and make civil liberties a priority in your life. Don't just turn your back on it and forget about it and pursue your pleasures and your career and so on. You're a citizen of the United States, and you have to have a you have to behave as a citizen of the United States, and you have to be involved politically on a local level, on a state level, and on a national level. Okay, now the first thing you've got to do is inform yourself. It's called knowledge. Knowledge is power. You have to understand the issues, and I hope that this I hope that this program has helped you to do that uh, with many of them. Agenda 21 certainly is, to me, the biggest issue of the day. Uh, just a few little things that I do. Uh, when given the opportunity, I ask people, what do you think of Agenda 21? We are interviewing uh, candidates for the Board of Education. We've interviewed seven so far. Not one of them. One of them said that he had heard of Agenda 21 but didn't know anything about it. Now, I think he, I don't think he really had heard of it. Uh, none of the seven did. And I've asked several other people, what about Agenda 21? You, do you support Agenda 21? And they have no clue what I'm talking about. Well, that's here in West Virginia. Um, it has not become an issue yet. In some states it has. In fact, I'll talk about it in a few minutes, but we have, a, uh, or maybe next time, we have 11 states right now that have passed resolutions in their state legislature rejecting Agenda 21. So 11 states have already done that. And, you know, if this goes like, and I'm thinking it probably will, like uh, back in the early 1900s, you had, well, actually in 1869, Wyoming gave women the right to vote. Uh, Utah followed, and it began to spread from state to state. When it got to about 50%, Congress then, on the federal level, put forth a proposal uh, that resulted in the 19th Amendment to give women the right to vote with child labor. Child labor was very, very big late 19th century, early 20th century. So states, the, you know, the Congress did nothing. So states began to pass laws against child labor regulating child labor. When it got to about 60%, then Congress passed the law. So I'm thinking that if, we, if you can get and participate in getting this thing going in your state, like we are here in my state, we have enlisted six legislators, and we had to make a lot of phone calls, that are going to go together next year in the session and put a bill on the floor rejecting Agenda 21. Okay, so a lot of people are going to say, Agenda 21, what the heck is that? When they're going to find out. And once they do, a whole bunch of legislators are going to get phone calls from their constituents all over the state saying, you've got to, you've got to sign on to this bill. We, can't, we do not want to give up our private property and, and all of the other things. So you can participate in doing that in your state, for example. Then the important thing is knowledge. The important thing is information. Uh, you've got to spend some time, and this is a class, so you're getting a credit for it. So spend some time studying this issue and pay attention to it. What's new on Agenda 21? Agenda 21, uh, United Nations do not, again, go back to 1984. 
They don't want thinking people. So you control the education. You flood uh, the towns and the cities and the streets with cheap drugs and booze. You basically dumb the people down, keep them stupid. Um, and so, but going back to this and going back to that question, there are a lot of things you can do. Call your county commission, call your city council, and ask about sustainable development. Now, just use that. Uh, what are the okay. uh, city's plans, or, or have there been any uh, any discussion in the city council, or whatever you call your political group, on sustainable development? And see what they say. See if Ickley is already in your town or your city or your county. Okay. Those uh, are the kinds of things more, you can do. A couple more things here. What is on the agenda towards Christians? Um, one of the moms wants to know. She said she looked at the site um, that she found about Agenda 21, but she didn't see anything that was specific uh, to that because she said she's already seen um, the Department of Children um, taking kids away because Christians are, quote, unquote, damaging their children. And there is a case right now that um, of a young child that was in the hospital um, in a specific hospital that is uh, had custody taken away from the parents that's um, been in the news, and uh, the judge awarded uh, the child to be a child of the state, and um, there really have never been any abuses or anything against this family. Uh, you know, I think they said verbal abuse. Uh, during, that they noticed um, in the hospital, but never has there ever been a case um, this child is ill, and they're saying that the child is not ill, that there's just a mental illness, but there's, um, you know, just a, a bunch of things. So I don't, and, and the, this family is Catholic, and they said, you know, that they're not able to, you know, have anything, um, you know, like a priest can see their, their child or anything. So uh, there have been some abuses like that from, you know, protective services that um, in this case, you know, these parents were on Fox News saying, you know, this is um, not justice, but this judge seems to side on this kind of thing. So I guess there's a concern now with Agenda 21 that there might be something specific toward um, uh, Christians. Are you seeing that at all? I I have not read the entire document yet, but um, I am going to look for that. But I do know this. Um, you could take three words or four words and put them together as one. Uh, you can take the word, well, double word, radical, liberal, socialist, communist, commutarian. You can, those are essentially the same thing. And they all of them essentially – would trace their roots back to Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. And one of the things that the Communist Manifesto does is declare atheism. People are not to worship God. People are to worship the state. The people's loyalty, the energy of their loyalty, goes to the state, to the government of the state, and not to God, and not to the church. Their money goes to the government. Their money does not go to the church. So I, I would think that the people that put together Agenda 21 would be smart enough to know that they don't want to go there yet. Once Agenda 21 is established, it's very difficult to say uh, what would come next. And same thing with Common Core Standards. Once it's established, 
okay, what comes next? What are you going to force on us next? So I um, I would be um, I would be certainly suspicious in terms of treatment of Christian faith or any religious faith for that matter, uh, Muslim, mm-hmm. Buddhist, the whole thing, in regards to Agenda 21. And as far as that uh, family that you were talking about, um, if somebody could send me information on that, um, I certainly yeah, would like it's, to read um, about that. Justina, and let me spell the last name, P-E-L-L-E-P. Hang on a second. Justina. Mm-hmm. And then P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R. P-E-L-L-I-T-E-R. Gotcha. P-I-E-R. P-I-E-R. Here. Like Pelletier. Um, I'll have to send you that in an email. Um, but there was verbal abuse was alleged toward the staff of DCF, but never toward the child. And you know, I, I think there's there's uh, definitely um, some things going on at that facility that probably are going to be addressed through this. Um, okay, another question here. What do you think about the missing plane? Should they abandon all search efforts or just tone down the media? <laughs> yeah, uh, Amendment One, free press. You can't tone down the media. If they're going right. to, if they're making money on the story, they're going to continue to uh, drum up the story, sensationalize the story, find ways to make it interesting, and and all of those kinds of things. So uh, you can't do anything about that. I I don't think they should give up. No, um, I think the Navy uh, and other types of technologies that the United States has that nobody else has, uh, you know, detection, sonar, radar uh, types of abilities, sound waves. You can send sound waves down to the bottom of the ocean and get a bounce back and identify uh, what it is that's bouncing back at you. So we have that technology, and I think that we should be out there as a, uh, as a good neighbor of the world community and uh, find the thing. And once we find it, we send down submersibles or divers if it's not too deep and we see if what we can retrieve. Yeah, I think we should. As far as the media is concerned, take my advice. Do what I do. Ignore the story. It's another yeah. airplane down story, you know, with some mystery attached and the media drumming up the uh, sensationalism in order to make money on their advertising. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things I will ask you, uh, Willie, is if um, you can to, you know, send us some of the links that you found for um, Concord, I, I mean, not Concord, sorry, for um, Agenda 21, and then we will, uh, you know, give those out in a handout, and that way we can, um, can have those, because that will help us all greatly. And we are out of time. I want to thank you again uh, for this wonderful session, and uh, we will be back next week. Thank you. All right, and we will finish this up, and um, if some of you want to send to Felice uh, requests for future discussions of issues that we haven't discussed yet, uh, she will forward those on to me, and uh, perhaps we'll finish Agenda 21 next week and then in, to get into something new and refreshing, something not, as, something not as dark and disturbing as this yeah, Agenda well, 21 thing. Yes. All right, well, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. 
If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com. See you next week.